Fiscal conservatism is for everyone. Catch the David Webb Show on demand. SiriusXM.com slash on demand. In part three of our series on the Marine Corps Recruit Depot Museum in San Diego, I spoke with Master Gunnery Sergeant Arthur Artie Allen III, uh, retired United States Marine uh, from current conflicts deployed in Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and uh, Operation Enduring Freedom, among many others. His awards and, de- and decorations include the Legion of Merit, uh, Defense Meritorious Service Medal, National Defense Service Medal, too many to list, and his work has been significant and already now serves as one of the docents at the Marine Corps Museum in San Diego. Uh, this is his briefing on the forward deployed. My name is uh, Arthur Artie uh, Allen III, uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant, retired United States Marine Corps. I couldn't tell that from the voice. Well, just a, a quick note that uh, I am uh, one year, a couple of weeks ago, retired uh, from the Marine Corps, served 31 years of honorable and faithful service, so I'm pretty proud of that. And I've been a docent here at the uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot Museum uh, for a few, uh, several months, and, uh, and I'm glad to be here. I consider myself uh, kind of baby of the group because most of my fellow docents uh, you know, you know, kind of the uh, Vietnam era. And uh, so when I was recruited, uh, I, I, I just took that opportunity uh, very quickly to try to represent, uh, the, you know, the uh, forward deployed uh, era in which uh, I've deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, and Desert Shield, Desert Storm. So I have the, uh, have, it, have, have it kind of all wrapped up in terms of my, uh, my own deployments. Uh, what I like to do today, since this is a promotion for uh, the museum and for people to know what's here and why should they come, it's important to kind of point out uh, this gallery encompasses 42 years because uh, it, it's all post-Vietnam uh, up to present. So we're talking about the last 42 years, uh, starting with, you know, for the end of the Cold War and going into global war and terrorism. And uh, unlike the other galleries, uh, you know, you have four decades and come. So, uh, don't quite uh, intend to, to go into a lot of detail, uh, uh, you know, history because there's just so much. Uh, but I want to tie some uh, some things in uh, that's important about what we give the recruits here, because for those same reasons, that's why people would want to come uh, here and experience uh, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, uh, the museum here. Uh, so. I wanted to start with, uh, as we enter uh, the museum, uh, of course, we have the Medal of Honor uh, display represented here, and we have three Medals of Honor uh, recipients. Uh, one is uh, Corporal Durham, uh, which uh, received his uh, Medal of Honor for actions uh, in uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. And then we have two Afghanistan-deployed Marines, uh, Corporal Cal Carpenter and uh, Sergeant, uh, uh, and we have a uh, Sergeant Dakota Meyer uh, on the other side here, and those are two Afghanistan uh, uh, deployment uh, deployed Marines who received them, and uh, so uh, that's what's uh, represented here uh, on the bulkhead over here or the wall, if you will. Um, this is 1976 to present, so all the medals and ribbons uh, uh, that are awarded and have been awarded continue to be awarded today uh, from post-Vietnam up until current uh, time. On a personal note, out of the, uh, I think it's 18 uh, medals there, uh, I've earned 11 of them um, because, again, I've, uh, I've deployed to all, all three of at least the major conflicts that have occurred in the, in the, in the past 40 years. And uh, so that's uh, pretty, pretty proud of, uh, of that display uh, there. And as you come into the, uh, the 
four deployed uh, gallery, uh, everything in terms of chron chronological order just goes in a uh, counterclockwise uh, uh, fashion. So it starts out with uh, 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 T walls that depict the uh, Iranian hostage conflict and then kind of moves on into uh, the bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut. Um, and and if you, there's uh, things represented on all sides, so if you walk through the center, you won't see them all into, unless you walk around them. But we, we have a, a Beirut represented, uh, Grenada, uh, going to Somalia, uh, Bosnia, uh, and, and uh, those different engagements and conflicts. Uh, you know, again, this, uh, this represents uh, quite a multitude of uh, wars, conflicts, and engagements, and participation in, 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 uh, in different uh, uh, small, medium operations. Uh, here and then, of course, the most notable uh, periods of this time frame is the, uh, of course, the terror attack uh, on September 11, 2001, uh, which got us into uh, the global war on terrorism phase or era of uh, of our our conflict. Um, so, in a desert ship, desert storm. Um, so, 1990, uh, 2nd of August, when the invasion of Kuwait by uh, the Iraq of the uh, the Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein. Uh, we went in to uh, prevent uh, the uh, the takeover of that country, and uh, and things just started started from there. So, in my my deployment uh, here, kind of brings back some memories on this wall that has what's uh, commonly referred to as the uh, Highway of Death. Um, that's not the only highway, you know, that uh, received you know carpet bombing, if you will, uh, to, to to get us a path through uh, getting uh, getting to where we needed to go. Um, so that brings back some personal memories uh, in terms of my, my particular deployment. Um, then we go into Operation Iraqi Free uh, go into Afghanistan and Operation Iraqi Freedom, which was the result of the, the bombing. This is a depiction here of the, uh, the Pentagon uh, and the damages that were that the, the main damage that was uh, uh, inflicted on the Pentagon. And uh, so we go, uh, and then we go into Iraqi Freedom, uh, which are represented on multiple T walls uh, in the gallery uh, itself. And then if we turn this direction here. Uh, we have several weapons uh, displayed in the uh, display cases, uh, so that it shows the uh, uh, the modern weapons that were used, you know, throughout the period. And I would kind of get into uh, what I like to. Uh, uh, it's one of my favorite pieces here. We have a, a marine desert shield, desert storm era. Uh, he's a, a military police uh, uh, field, but he's sitting on a motorcycle, a tan uh, a desert uh, colored motorcycle. Uh, the reason why I have kind of personal tie with that is because I was communications. And in communications, we had these uh, motorcycles for the purpose of running messages, running physical messages. And of course, uh, young folks today don't realize we didn't have computers and <laughs> internet and, and all that back, uh, back in the day. So we had to run physical papers of orders and instructions and things from the commanders to their subordinate uh, units. And, uh, the, uh, the model is also wearing what we refer to as a chocolate chip uniform. Uh, the Marine Corps had the chocolate chips because it was the only desert uh, pattern uniform that had the black uh, chips embedded in, in the, the, the pattern. All the other military branches, U.S. military branches, wore the, that like pattern but without the, uh, the quote-unquote chocolate chips uh, embedded in them. So I really like this display. And then as, as you've seen in the other, uh, in a couple of other galleries, 
in the major conflicts, they all have a representation of the uh, mapping and geographical layout table uh, to give you a, uh, you know, give a person a real sense of, of uh, uh, the entire area of operation in which we've operated in. And again, with all the multiple wars, this is a pretty big, vast area of operation rather than just one single, uh, single war. And, uh, and then the warfare is different than some of the others. For example, World War I, you know, was trench warfare. Uh, Vietnam's jungle warfare, and then this is where we really got into the urban warfare. Uh, so that was a uh, that was uh, really new uh, to us, and we had to develop uh, uh, new skills, uh, techniques, training, and the way to actually exercise them uh, during this war. Many lessons learned. Um, but I will draw one parallel between uh, the global war on terrorism era and all of our other previous wars. And the enemy always seems to have, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, relatively low-tech uh, tactical uh, uh, capabilities and skills that causes us real challenges, even with our high technology and state-of-the-art uh, systems. One example uh, with the IEDs. Uh, IEDs inflicted a, a lot of challenges for us, um, but they were uh, devices that were made in, you know, you know, back sheds and, and garages and, and that kind of thing. And, and we had multi-millions of dollars of, you know, really high-tech uh, uh, systems. And uh, just like in Vietnam, the punji sticks made out of bamboo caused, that, that was a, uh, a very significant tactical advantage that the Viet Cong had. Same as today, and that's what we, uh, we, we give that to the recruits and other personnel that we, uh, we tour through to try to draw the par parallels uh, among the different galleries that represent those uh, respective uh, uh, wars and conflicts. So with regard to what we give the recruits, this is, uh, this is really important because th we are, as docents, we're not only responsible for giving some of the, uh, some of the details, some of the overall and some detailed history uh, for, the, for the recruits, it's important to know that we tie them into uh, 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 their awareness of the legacies that they're inheriting, that that's really important. We, uh, the Marine Corps has what's called core values, honor, courage, and commitment. We try to tie we try to give them the awareness uh, as we're describing battles and conflicts and wars, uh, we try to get them to understand and appreciate uh, uh, the legacy in which they're inheriting, and then also their responsibility and, quite frankly, their obligation to take hold of that, carry it, and continue it on. Uh, so that's what's important about that. And then when we are touring other uh, groups of people, whether they're civilians or otherwise, uh, they really like that. They, they, they have a great appreciation for what we're giving the recruits, because by, by all means, we are making Marines here. Uh, so this, uh, this museum is vitally important. Uh, to making sure that we can uh, use this tool, this apparatus, uh, along with the training that they're receiving across that parade deck. And as they go in with the title Marine, and they can have a great appreciation for uh, all those that have gone before them, and they can appreciate going forward and, and carrying on that legacy. So I thought that was just very important as a promotion for the, uh, for the museum. Uh, well, it shows the importance of why we need to know that history. And here on the wall, you have the old core and forward. Okay, so uh, starting uh, to our left here, uh, to our right here, we have uh, what's called the, uh, the woodland pattern uniform. Uh, it's in uh, this very specific uniform was called the poplin uniform. If you look a little closely to it, it has uh, so somewhat of a checkered uh, uh, stitching uh, in it. 
the, the basic un uh, wooden uniform was without the, the, the checkered stitching, but the same uniform, and we wore that simultaneously. That was our sea bag issue, and that was our day-to-day -day, uh, utility uniform. Um, so we move on to the middle display is representing uh, uniforms that were uh, worn by uh, Iraqi forces. Um, uh, as, as you may remember, uh, Saddam Hussein had two sons, uh, and they ran, they pretty much ran the military, and um, uh, one of them was a fan of the, uh, you know, Star Wars, so he, uh, he thought it was fit to develop a helmet for, you know, ceremonial purposes that looks like Darth Vader. So it's pretty interesting. We get a lot of questions about that. Pretty common question. Uh, the headdress of, of, uh, of the Middle, of, of middle Eastern uh, males. Um, it's not just, uh, we try to explain that it's not just uh, about uh, picking a scarf for today. Um, it represents uh, uh, identities of tribes and cultures and different parts of provinces and, and so forth. So patterns, colors, number of rings, those different combinations, at least for, for them, they can quickly identify someone of, uh, of a particular you know, tribe or area or province. And why was it important for us to know that? It was important for us to know it because, again, uh, it, it ties into uh, our most, uh, the successes that we always seek, no matter the battle, no matter the era, is to understand culture. Uh, and that way, in our effort to, uh, uh, to be in, in good with, with the people, with the population, uh, you know, they're more for forthcoming and more willing to uh, engage with us uh, in the effort, you know, in, in, in our end goal mission. So uh, not having uh, an appreciation for their culture, not learning that because we have a lot of training. Uh, pre-training and then of course when we get in country you start to learn a lot of things and, and that help us greatly in, in our pursuit of the mission. So we'll move into the, uh, the current day, uh, what's called a digital pattern. Uh, this uh, this uh, uniform uh, was, was developed uh, and approved by uh, General James Jones, our Commandant of the Marine Corps uh, in the uh, late 90s. Uh, his concept of transitioning from the from the uh, the desert pat uh, from the woodland pattern to the digital pattern, one very significant thing that uh, has kind of gotten lost a little bit is we used to treat the woodland uniform like it was a dress uniform, like it was a uh, you know like we were wearing dress blues, spit polished and and and, and creased, and, and in some cases Marines probably didn't engage their particular jobs because they, they you know they didn't want to mess up the uniform and get written up or counseled and that kind of thing. General Jones's concept was when we transitioned to this uniform, it was really to be used, it will be used as our work uniform, a utility uniform. Uh, in fact, uh, the, there was even a policy, I guess, when it was introduced to say, hey, no, uh, you know, cleaners and, and starching and that kind of thing. It is, it is uh, you know, machine or hang dry and put it on and not worried about, uh, you know, the culture that we had, had long established with our, our other work uniform. And uh, not only that, the Marine Corps had this digital pattern uh, patented as well. So embedded randomly throughout the pattern is the Eagle, Eagle Globe and Anchor uh, in, in the uniform as well. And, it, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's patented uh, to prevent other services from using it. All right. Let's move down to some of the more cultural elements here inside the museum. Yeah, so what was uh, significant uh, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, what we called uh, key leader engagement. 
Um, when that concept came around, we found uh, that uh, the leadership uh, found that uh, getting down to the village uh, leaders level and, uh, and, and not just the uh, you know, uh, provincial you know, level and, of course, the national level, getting down to the villagers because they are very uh, significant in their respective uh, tr uh, uh, villages and tribes and to engage with them so that we can gain uh, the confidence of the people that we really need through those local leaders. That was what was really important about this. So when you uh, see a uh, depiction of it, it looks like, you know, he's a lieutenant colonel, um, probably a com you know, at his level, probably a commander of, of, of a unit, and he's sitting down with the, uh, what appears to be uh, a, uh, a local tribal leader. And uh, so that was extremely important in, uh, in, in uh, our ability to engage with the with the, uh, the with the the local people and helping us uh, with uh, with battling the insurgency. So being able to identify who they are, being able to work with them culturally, sure. and this is something that you don't hear often about the Marine Corps and what it does. But on the ground, you have to deal in the landscape, sure. work where you are. And now we have we're at the recruit depot. You have new Marines coming in, or new who will soon be Marines. Sure. Uh, and they have to not only learn all of the, let's call it the tools of the job and the different jobs, whether it's courier, communications, uh, infantry, forward, recon, whatever the case may be, air capabilities. But then they also have to learn the elements of the new landscape much different than the, you know, the lines in trench warfare. Sure, and, uh, and uh, you'd be amazed uh, when you do get the questions from the recruits, you know, they have no idea about this side of it because, uh, you know, whether it's media or otherwise, that's depicting all the other parts of the mission and the engagements, you know, the, you know, the weapons and firing and, you know, tactics and that kinds of thing. And uh, I don't think it gets the same amount of coverage, uh, if you will, on the uh, on the cultural you know, uh, side of it, which is which is so important. And then we have and then we actually have uh, organizations that are established um, uh, that specialize in these kind of things. So they go around, they do the key leader, leader engagements, and they also go around and train units uh, because that's just not something that's inherent to, uh, uh, you know, to you know, early days of the pre-deployment, pre uh, certainly not in boot camp, certainly not then just part of regular unit training. Uh, so we have uh, 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 groups established that goes out uh, as training teams and make sure units are, are getting up on the skills and the uh, information and awareness uh, with regard to how to engage with the local culture and how that ties into our effectiveness in, uh, in the battlefield. Gunny, first to fight, forward deployed, look into the future of the Corps. Honor, courage, commitment, but the future and its importance to the United States. Uh, the the core is going to be forever, forever significant and uh, important to the United States because of the uh, not only due to the uh, the, the firepower and, uh, and and those tangible things that uh, uh, that represents the core and always have. Uh, we always uh, uh, like to uh, pride ourselves on again all the other uh, very personable uh, cultural. Uh, those intangibles, as you mentioned, honor, courage, and commitment, and how we apply that in not just on the battlefield, but how we apply it in our just day-to-day -day life and the way we do business. Um, that, that is so vitally important. Um, and then the, the America is uh, 
uh, remains confident at all times that when the Marine Corps is called upon, uh, we know that we are, we're going to the fight or to, and it's not always about a fight, we engage in so many different things uh, from uh, disaster relief and, and, uh, and, and those uh, sort of efforts. But no matter what the mission, uh, America always count on the Marine Corps to go and employ, uh, again, a honor, courage, and commitment-based uh, charge uh, to whatever mission that we're given. Frequent doses of common sense. And the occasional reality check. The David Webb Show.